guys, Amber Summers here, back with part two of Losing Himself. Thank you for tuning in. So most of you know by now, the name of the podcast is You're Not Broken, You're Building. But I recently made some changes. I'm branching off and I'm creating my LLC. I decided to give it the name Summer's Truth and create a few changes along the way. I originally developed this podcast to share my truth and allow you all to walk with me through my healing journey, but I've reached a point in my life where I genuinely enjoy telling other people's stories as well as connecting with other people, so I'll officially be opening up my podcast to the outside world to share their truths here on Summer's Truth. This is super exciting for me because I'll be able to connect with individuals who also want to advocate and create change in the world of domestic violence, child abuse, and sexual assault. Summer's Truth is a business that provides and unites people with resources for individuals experiencing domestic violence, child abuse, and sexual assault. We'll also be hosting awareness events, classes, and so much more. So stay tuned because I've put a lot of hard work and passion into this to create a change for the entire world to see. If this is your first time here, do me a favor, jump over to your Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever it is that you use and hit the subscribe button. This way you can get notifications when I'll be releasing new content. Here we go. My father, Peter Augustus Francis Sr., had many sides to him that the world didn't see. We did, though. The world viewed him as a family man, a man with pride in the things and people he loved. He always had a successful career and he made a good amount of money. The funny thing is at home, he wasn't a family man. He could care less how anyone felt. And he definitely took pride in himself and wasn't afraid to show it because his ego was huge. He made great money over the years, but my mom never saw a penny. And he was successful in his career as a surgical technician at that. Someone who helps save lives every single day, only to take one later in his life. My parents met June of 1994. When they met, my mother really knew nothing about my father. He was mysterious, a man with no friends, no family, and within a few months into their relationship, my dad asked her to move out of her mom's house and into his place. My grandmother was angry, partially because she expected my mom to live with her forever. (laughs) My mom was 27 years old and moving out for the first time. And when my mom moved into my dad's, she quickly noticed red flags, but she ignored them because she had never been in a serious relationship or let alone ever lived with the man. She found out my father was still married to his ex and his ex filed for divorce one month after they met. Again, she ignored it. When my parents married December 29th, 1994, six months after meeting, my mom still had no idea who the person was that she was giving her life to. She had no idea that he would one day be the one to take it. My father got married to his ex-wife in 1992. He was in the military and on vacation in Funafuti, a teeny tiny small island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. The island is so small you can barely see it on Google Maps. And I'm not kidding, look for yourself. He was on vacation from his home base in Honolulu, Hawaii, when he met a super sweet Polynesian woman who fell for his charm the first day she met him. Within a few days into his vacation, he convinced her to marry him. She accepted, and they got married within the next few days. After marrying her, she expressed him wanting to help her get her citizenship in the U.S., 
so she could come back and be with him. Instead of helping her, he led her to believe that he would do it, only to abandon her after two weeks of marriage and disappear. So then, she filed for divorce in July of 1994. My father always told my mother that he left her because her family wasn't accepting of their marriage and relationship. He told her he had problems with her brothers. This was far from the truth. He wanted her all to himself, and in the Polynesian culture, family is a big part of who they are. He also shared with me that he left because they lived like pigs, they slept on the floor, and they ate on the floor. But that was also another big part of their culture, and this was the way that they lived, and it just was clear that he wasn't accepting of it. All those years, he would lie about his past and his stories. The things I know about my father are the things that I learned either through him, from my research, or what my family has shared with me. My entire life, I never knew my aunts, uncles, cousins, or my grandparents on my dad's side. It was just us. My father told me his father was dead, only for my older brother to send me a picture of my grandfather years ago before he actually passed away. Because my father didn't have his family around, he wanted to ensure that my mother followed the same rules. We didn't get to see my mom's dad and wife unless it was on major holidays or birthdays. I didn't see my grandmother from the time I was six years old to the age 12 because my father didn't like her. I was deprived my entire life of the opportunity to know my people because of one man. So with everything I just told you, what would you have done? My mom continuously ignored all the signs, including the abuse, which is a whole other story to tell. I tend to wonder sometimes why she stayed with him. She brought in over six figures each year. She paid every bill. He didn't help pay a single bill. Instead, he would write her a check for her kids from time to time. How was that a marriage? I think my mother lacking a relationship with her father caused her to suffer a bit. She grew up with my grandmother who, don't get me wrong, she was the most amazing woman, but she was controlling. Even up until my mom was 27 years old, she wanted to control what she wore, who she hung out with, what she spent her money on. My mom even had a curfew and wasn't allowed to stay out with men, let alone have them over. So... My mom became accustomed to the sense of control, but it will never explain why she stayed with my father for 27 years and allowed him to abuse her and her children. My father saw my mom as an opportunity from the beginning and over time, he knew what he could get away with, which was literal murder. Growing up was interesting outside of the abuse because when my father wasn't working, he spent his time outside of the house, despite his crazy paranoia with the outside world. We weren't allowed to question him about his whereabouts or ask him how long he would be gone. I used to tell my mom I felt like he was either cheating on her or he had another family. And even to this day with him being gone, I still have no idea where he spent his time. But as soon as payday hit and he got his check, my dad would run to the bank, he would pull out as much cash as possible, and he would just be gone. I mean, what do you think he was doing? People who come from domestic violence relationships believe they know their partners and who they are. 
That's impossible, though, because abusive and narcissistic people only allow you to see a certain side to them. They try to paint a picture of who they are, which is who they aren't. And I know this firsthand because the younger me didn't know better. One thing I do want to touch base on really quick is teen dating violence. This topic within itself gets overlooked and it's beyond common. So based off of surveys with teens themselves, studies show that about 1 in 12 experience physical dating violence and 1 in 12 experience sexual dating violence. Teens who don't have the proper guidance and solid home life fall victim more because they aren't exactly sure of what a good relationship looks like. So this was most definitely the case for me. To me, I was like my mom, you know, I had this sense of always wanting to be loved, but I didn't know where to find it because I didn't get it at home. And when I was 14 years old, I prayed the price for wanting love and looking for it in the wrong places. I got involved with a 17-year-old senior my freshman year of high school, and I felt like he wanted to give me all of his attention, and he did until he didn't. Now, this is a long story for another day, but I'll tell you that I fell for this boy, and he took advantage of me, and he took my virginity by raping me. I wasn't brave enough to tell my parents because the same day when I got home, I was beaten by my father because I took too long to get home and I took an unfamiliar route. I couldn't leave the house for days because of how bad the beating was. Then when I felt like I somewhat was over the rape incident, I met my ex. He charmed the hell out of me and he made me feel so special until he started to try and control me mentally. Can you imagine being in a relationship from the time you're 16 years old to 19 to a boy who only wanted to tell me where I could go and who I could be friends with? Well, unfortunately, that was me. He was never physical with me until the end of our relationship when I found out I was pregnant with his son. He then slammed my head into a window of my car and choked me. I knew deep down that I had to escape and I would not go back. And that was the last time I ever let a man take advantage of me. So I understand what it feels like when you feel like you found love and you feel like you know someone only to see you truly don't. And with domestic violence, the abusers do a great job at controlling the situation, causing you great pain, then turning around and trying to manipulate you into believing that it won't happen again. Growing up, I didn't have the proper guidance on what to look for in a relationship. It took for me to experience domestic violence in my own relationship to really want to help my mother escape my father. So I spent the last six years of her life fighting for her to leave him, fighting for her to put herself and her children's safety first. And it wasn't until October of 2020 when she finally decided to. Most of you know how this story ends. He took her life and then his own. And it saddens me that this has happened, but I look back on my own relationship and if I hadn't had got on that plane the next day after my ex assaulted me, I could have been just like my mother. My story and my life have taught me so many valuable lessons and I'm able to sit here and share those stories and experiences to hopefully save a life and move others to take those next big steps. We tend to think we can't do it or we can't make it in the world alone, 
but that's far from the truth. We can do anything we set our mind on. Having the courage to walk away from a situation like domestic violence can be so hard, but know that there are people there to help you. If you're someone who's dealing with domestic violence, child abuse, or sexual assault, please know that there are resources available to help you. If you're someone who knows someone who's dealing with domestic violence, child abuse, or sexual assault, help them. Reach out. Let them know that you're there because you could potentially be saving a life. It's not too late to ask for support because there's no such thing as ever being too late. The next episode to come will have you on the edge of your seats as we'll have special guests and people ready to walk in their truths and share their journeys and stories with you all. So stay tuned because you do not want to miss this impact. And if you have an episode suggestion or a story that you would be interested in sharing, please reach out to me. I would love to hear it. Thank you guys so much. See you next time.